With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Chris Stone, a.k.a. Galley, is the head coach for the United States Olympic surf team. His qualifications for that role came from years spent on tour traveling with and coaching Jordy Smith and the Hobgoods before him, as well as many other notable athletes as they make their way to the World Championship Tour. As a professional surfer, Stone qualified for the CT in 1995. He was the first surfer from Santa Cruz to do so. While on tour, he won the Margaret River Pro, he won the Coldwater Classic twice back-to-back, and he got second at G-Land. Since retiring from pro surfing, he relocated to the North Shore and began shaping surfboards, raising a family, and helped usher in this era of the professional surf coach, hence his new role with the Olympics. So in this chat, we cover most of what you'll need to know about surfing in the Olympics, He addresses whether or not surfing in the Olympics is even good for surfing at large. He advises on how to make an objective judging criteria. He comments on Jordy's title run this year, as well as Jordy's greatest areas for improvement. And he also details the quiver that uh, Galley's been working on this entire year for Jordy. So my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor. Here's my conversation with surfboard shaper and Olympic head coach, Chris Stone. I hope that you enjoy. So, tell me, what's your role with the Olympics? I am the head coach for the uh, United States Olympic team, hired by USA Surfing, and um, that entails going to, you know, the big ISA events that all the elites go to, um, and just all the, you know, the minutia that goes along with a sport getting bigger, you know, there's a lot more interviews and podcasts and, you know... um, lot more talking and summits and different things you kind of got to go through to uh, to kind of learn the whole ins and outs of of, of something that uh, is a lot bigger than going to a WCT event. And I would imagine you're considering that it's really the first time surfing's been in the Olympics or that it is the first time um, you're probably responsible for helping kind of craft that vision right? Mm. Yeah and that's and that's sort of the the trick is is what is that vision you know and try to have that crystal ball is is a it's a hard one um and trying to anticipate how how it looks with these high level million dollar athletes all kind of getting together and what that dynamic looks like and how I work with their coaches 
and how the performance pl uh, program works and how that ties in with the USOC, how the WSL and the IOC and the USOC and all these different organizations work together to come up with um, the, uh, the judges, the judging, the format, how does that all look? Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to digest and a lot of unknowns. Um, so you just kind of got to learn, a lot of learning. I'm curious what the main challenges are. And then secondly, what is the format going to look like? How is it going to be different than what we're accustomed to? Um, the challenges are everybody's schedule is a challenge and trying to um, make make everybody happy, which you're never really going to do. You know, this is another thing. I mean, they have to do these ISAs to be eligible and to qualify. And um, just getting them together for any kind of performance thing or any kind of meeting or anything. And these are busy, busy people, you know, and there's a lot going on. Their schedules are pretty, are pretty tight and um, things pop up that they have to do and things for their sponsors. And, um, you know, it's an individual sport. People aren't used to it being a team, at least for a very long time, if they did do the ISAs back in the day when they were amateurs and stuff. So uh, those are some challenges. And then I forgot your second part of the question. Uh, in regard to when they run the event itself, how yes. will it be different than what we're accustomed to with the WSL? And that is to be decided. Okay. I actually ran into uh, Eric Kramer, who's also a coach. He's part of the technical technical team that's working on these these things and working out the formats and working out um, and so it's interesting because they went for uh, you know a 20 20 person it doesn't break down very well and you know, they want to have as much man on man as possible but you uh, you know it's kind of tough to break it down with a 20 man but they're they're looking at a lot of things I think they've reached out to the WSL of any old formats they've gone over and, and looked at and trying to kind of come up with the best the best way to uh, come up with a gold medalist what do you think the biggest potential area for improvement in the format is over what we currently see on the WSO? Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I mean, man on man is exciting. And you saw that when the wave pool happened, that it, it kind of took a lot of that strategy, the last minute this, the, the ins and outs of, of the man on man competition. There's a lot to digest, you know, it's kind of like the more you know about man on man competition, it's sort of like baseball, right? The more you know about baseball, the funner it gets to watch because you kind of, you know, can, there's so much going on with the strategy and the different things. And so um, it's hard to say what would be better than man on man. I mean, oh, I mean, I think the ultimate would be a cumulative format where it's multiple rounds over days and you, you round robin, everyone surfs against different people with a leaderboard and, you know, and a lot of times people give arguments like, oh, the conditions change or this or that, but I think it would be better and better is always better. Right. <laughs> Even though there's going to be issues with conditions and such, um, you know, cumulative things seem to work better for, you know, sports that have a lot of variables. Um, and uh, it might get a little boring because it would probably be the same couple people in the top. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's a tremendous amount of pressure to get it right. It is. It is. Uh, there's um, it's it's there's it's tricky. It's a. What makes surfing so magical for, for all of us that are involved and just becomes our life is uh, also makes it hard to package up and sell and, 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 you know, because you've got this performance art, basically, you know, trying to package it up as a sport with the ocean and mother nature and every wave's different and here comes the wind and there's the tides and it's really difficult in that way. And so what the wave pools solve, it also takes away a little bit of the, 
the excitement, um, uh, what what accumulative format solves. It also takes away a little bit of the excitement of the man on man, the cutthroat, the underdog. So, um, you know, maybe there could be both. You know, yeah. you have this mix, and you know, for different spots and overlapping formats, pretty cool. But people can kind of get skunked, and you're blocking people in the, in the heat next to you and maybe he's next to you in the rankings and you just focus on blocking him if you've lost and there's all sorts of things that could go on and like i said it's it's surfing you know it's it's hard it's a slippery slippery little pig you know hard to get your hands on and package it up um in an ideal scenario if we're going to be debuting surfing in the olympics you know it'd be great to see it at pipeline in december or something like that (laughs) clearly that's not what we're going to have in japan Yep. How do you feel about the venue and the time of year and the way that it's ultimately going to be debuted? Do you feel optimistic about it? I think you have to feel optimistic. I mean, we're in the Olympics. I mean, who would have thought this, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years, even 10 years ago? You know, a lot of people thought Fernando was like, you're never going to get this in the Olympics, you know, and how do you do it? And, um, it's, uh, there should be waves. Um, we'll get... If there's waves in the first eight days, we'll get good TV time. If we get in the last, we won't get as much. So it's hopefully we can get some swell at the beginning and really promote it. But I'm not sure if the if the waves are really the story. You know, it's really about the athletes promoting the sport in the right way, getting the personalities in there, and kind of educating people on what surfing's about, um, and and showcasing. You know, you could do, I mean, obviously Red Bull and NBC and these people do these crazy documentaries and these different pieces and these bios on people that are incredible to watch. And seeing the inside, I mean, everybody's got a crazy story, yeah. you know, and, and everybody's had crazy experiences on the tour and archival footage. And, you know, there's an opportunity to, um, you know, to not, if, if, if the One Foot Japan isn't the show, then um, and there's other ways to, to kind of make, make surfing look great. Um, which hasn't been done really that well if you think about it you know yeah. it's a lot of money to send people around it'd just be another cost for wsl if there was just these bios on everybody that would make it twice as interesting for the people that aren't hardcore fans but yeah. again that's what are you going to go spend 150 200 grand for every single athlete on the tour to do this incredible bio on them so these are the resources that nbc has that the olympics have that we don't have in the past and Again, there's going to be athletes that look amazing in those types of waves. In that time of year, there is um, pretty consistent wind swell, and um, and uh, we've got a pretty big window to run, I believe, a two-day event, two-and-a-half-day event, pick and choose with tides and such. And so hopefully they can, you know, dress it up and we get lucky. You know, there's barrels at different times and really good surf that time of year. I just, I think, you know, maybe if surfing surfing's got some pretty good karma maybe it'll get some surf good i mean i guess you're right when i watch the olympics i really know nothing about most of the sports that i watch Mm -hmm. and it's all about how they package it and sell the athletes and their Mm -hmm. stories Mm -hmm. that get me invested and then i will watch their run or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. kind of have a moderate amount of interest in Mm -hmm. how they perform but it is more the story so i guess you're right yeah i i hope i am you know i mean we all know how incredible surfing is and people think it's easy until they try it you know these top athletes finally get on a surfboard and go that is the hardest thing i've ever tried and i you know over time i think that instead of it being this fringe kind of sport it'll it'll be recognized as this this thing where you know 
you know, only the freakiest of athletes really excel at this. And, you know, and that seems to be the truth. You know, you see these athletes and they all kind of got that look in their eye. You know what I mean? They look like astronauts or, you know, Formula One, right? You know, racers or, you know what I mean? There's something different about a high level surfer that, uh, you can't quite put your finger on yeah so we have a 16 day window to run two and a half days of competition i'm not exactly sure how the format looks but it's only 40 people all together so okay it shouldn't take you know too long okay overall um but again the format is still hasn't been decided who are the judges going to be how do they vet them out uh, yeah well you know the isoc i mean the ioc has um it's it's you know sort of regulations as far as how the judging has to be you know like kind of in their own little box and they can't talk to each other and which is very different than than how it is on a WCT or a lot of different panels around the world I know that um, the ISAs have, have tried to um, kind of lean to go in that direction so it'd be good if all the judging around the world mimic mimicked each other and sort of create this standard and there was training and there was all these other things but you know, that's been a concern of, of a lot of people is how does that look? There needs to be more of an international panel. And, you know, if you consider some of the best in the world, don't get it right sometimes. You know, it might it, it might be a bit of a challenge to follow those regulations and still get, you know, a fair result. But seems like the biggest area for improvement over the WSL, like being able to start from scratch with the judging. I mean, the judging, you know, uh, year to year on the WSL is the one thing that the internet kind of um, questions the most. Mm -hmm. It's very hard yes, to um, come up with like an objective standard for how we should view and judge surfing. But considering that there's all that criticism for the WSL from year to year, that would be the biggest area of opportunity for the Olympics to do something radically different and mm -hmm. potentially nail it. Yeah, I think... Um at some point, there needs to be a way to hand judges tools that they can use and come up with more of a degree of difficulty scale that is usable and digestible for them. It's how the athletes want to be want to be scored and judged, and um, you know it, it should be up to the athletes. It should be this kind of moving sort of uh, list of where you're sort of rating maneuvers and different things, and so. Because you know, if, if you say if you go and argue a score, it's like just the way that the, the criteria is, is structured, you could there's a get out of jail free card at any point totally. with it. And so if there was more of a standard where you could walk up to and go degree of difficulty scale, guys, I just got beat by two windshield wipers and I'm doing full wraps with release on my forehand and I've got more variety and I went for a little air on the inside and you're telling me that this backside stab up into the lip just because it throws spray it's not more difficult because we've got it right here on our difficulty scale and just more tools where there is some sort of recourse if there is a question decision and um and there's more tools for them to use as they're breaking down waves i mean if you watch two backhand waves back to back you know how do you differentiate really if it's all kind of repetitive well one might have some carve in it to release one might have a bit deeper rail maybe there's more variety but if it's all kind of backhand snaps you know it becomes very technical at a certain point um, but the best most difficult surfing should win and sometimes it doesn't
do you think that there is a way to actually solve that equation? Can you create an objective criteria that says degree of difficulty, like these things are harder to do than those things? I'm not sure, but I don't see anybody trying. You know what I mean? I see I see the judges in their own in their own world creating their own their own standards and it's not as if they're not knowledgeable, but there's a whole industry filled with people that have surfed for 40, 50 years each that 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 could that could help kind of draft something up and, and again the athletes understand what's difficult they understand what's hard they understand and you know and it comes down to two like what would the athlete rather be doing you know you know if you ask an athlete like well i would have way rather done that deep freaking gouge right over there than that little flick out of the lip through spray so you know just having some sort of like this is what's hard this is what's kind of hard this is what's easy and you have some sort of recourse if you're walking up there because it's in black and white. It's right there in the degree of difficulty scale. And how did I get beat by this when I'm doing this? Then they could say, well, you dug a little there. It wasn't that deep. Your angle of attack was low. It wasn't that risky. You could argue either way, but at least there's some kind of way to, to kind of, you know, have an, you know, they have tools and, and you have an understanding about what you're trying to accomplish. You know, if you think about the layback, it's kind of one of the easiest maneuvers in surfing. Score is gigantic, right? The backside wiper is back big time, and that's probably the easiest maneuver in, in surfing, at least one that scores really well. And I think differentiating between, you know, stuff like that, and you kind of shoot yourself in the foot too if you're a coach. You're just like, well, my guy's so big on the layback, why would I, why would I open my mouth? But everybody understands that it's sort of training wheels, that it's easier. It, Get you off your back foot. It on your back foot. It's almost impossible to slide out. The nose comes out of the water. It's it's not difficult in comparison to setting your rail, pulling it all the way around, or releasing the tail. I mean, my thing is always if there's no rail and no release, there's no risk. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, <clears throat> as you're seeing it all come together, yeah. Do you feel confident that? the Olympics will get it correct enough to where you can really feel like it's a step in the right direction there's a million variables that can go wrong there is you would have to have like seven crystal balls to kind of know what's going to happen this is definitely like a wait and see I'm going to be optimistic because surfing always seems to success in spite of it be a success in spite of itself in spite of who's running it in spite of who's judging it in spite of you know the sponsorship leaving and the hard you know have to package it up it's difficult it always seems to succeed and kind of overcome these things so i'm going to be optimistic and i mean it look we hear from lots of people through this experience you know with the usoc and the different people we've talked to that first year sports it's kind of a S show, you know what I mean? It's, I guess I can kind of cuss on this, can I? You can. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a shit show for the most part, and that that means that there's so many unknowns and so many variables, and the NGBs are brand new, national governing bodies. They're brand new. They're trying to, like, figure out how to run this thing. You go to the Olympics, the accreditation's wild. It's huge. The opening ceremonies, like, there's, there's a lot of variables, and then you've got, you know, all these sort of non-endemic um, you know, sponsorships, non-endemic um, TV companies trying to come in and what's, you know, I think NBC was smart enough to hire Red Bull to help do some work for them to try to get it right. Um, but, um, you know, surfing's pretty, pretty amazing. It's 
it's kind of hard to geek it up. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? um, what's your hope? I mean, for obviously you want USA to win gold, but yes. kind of for the bigger picture for surfing, mm-hmm. obviously the crusty local in the beach grit comment section or whatever mm-hmm. will um, always argue for not making surfing bigger. Like, yeah. it's just going to be more crowded next year when I try to surf. So let's <laughs> not actually grow down this path. Yeah. What's your ambition with this? Or where do you want to see it go? Do you want it to grow? Um, I guess that's a pretty... I mean, I've got a little bit of that crusty local in me. I think, I think everybody do. does. Yeah. You know, you've got this magical thing. You want to hold on to it. Um, and you want it to be less crowded. And you want it to be cooler. And you don't want to get cut off by somebody who got excited about the Olympics and surfs and has no etiquette and didn't grow up. And, you know, there's all of that. But I think things grow no matter what. It's kind of like, you know, I grew up in Santa Cruz. And it was paradise as a kid. I grew up in Pleasure Point. We had the place to ourselves right had the run of the place we live on a point break it was like six points back to back it goes onshore devil wind it's offshore on the other side place is amazing to grow up in right it gets overrun by dot commers and longboards and you can just get more bitter and more bitter and more bitter and wax cars and get resentful and it just change just happens you know we don't have a lot of control over it surfing's gonna get bigger you know you can't all of a sudden just say don't get bigger surfing it's going to happen. So hopefully the people that are steering it are steering it in the right direction. Um, what really drives technology and surfing, the things that make surfing more enjoyable for us, you know, it is it is the elite level. Um, it is it is this pushing of these boundaries that, that, that makes things better and the experience better for all of us. So, um, you know, there's always going to be grumpy people, but I think optimism and acceptance and, you know, knowing that things don't just get less crowded or especially something as cool as surfing it's just gonna get bigger yeah there's no way it's not you know do you i don't know do you spend any time in santa cruz nowadays uh not much no okay but you're on the north shore now yes so how long have you been there i've been there almost 17 years is that um how drastically have the crowds affected your life in that amount of time like because surfing has grown since i was a kid Mm -hmm. but i can still always find waves to surf sure down the beach by myself yeah you know like despite Mm -hmm. as much as it's grown that crusty grump uh or grumpy local argument i i don't know how salient it is i don't really see the effects in my daily life what do you not really i get waves by myself all the time yeah and if you're up early you're gonna get waves if you're on it you're gonna get waves if you go to the beach and look out there's gonna be times and then you know surf between the cracks you don't have to go to the hyped out spots if you know surfing is more about kind of connecting with nature and getting a few waves with not too many people around. Like I'd rather surf worse waves with a few friends or by myself than surf great waves with a bunch of people. So there's places you can go and um, I, I, I am a little sick of the battle and the posturing in the ocean that you kind of have to do. I, I get a little stale on that. So I try to avoid too many crowded days but But that's always been there it's always been there and there's so many spots on the north shore and so many little kind of spots that have enough power to get moving and hit the lip and so i'm not trying to win a contest anymore so you know just go for a paddle it's it's never a bad time i've been doing a lot of body surfing too and that seems to be um never a bad time body surfing you're always looking for a different kind of wave than everybody else so there's tons of different ways to enjoy the ocean and um you know, the, the crusty local wants to be mad about anything. He's probably pissed off about the traffic, too. He's probably pissed yeah. off about 
you know, whatever else it is, and, you know, he should go to therapy and learn to be a little <laughs> bit more positive. Well, I think that <laughs> argument's actually more salient, the, the traffic argument, because as surfing has grown, I have seen that grow. It's harder to find parking. Certainly on the North Shore, way more traffic. Um, but in the water itself, I don't see it as much. Yeah. No. I think the ocean vets a lot of that stuff out. Just waking up early and having the mm-hmm. discipline to do that yep. vets that out, you know? Yeah. But 100%. And, <laughs> you know, if you're surfing places with current yeah, and exactly. hard to find the good wave, you can see 20 people out and they're just lost at sea. Totally. You know, so the North Shore is a lot like that. And you don't have that. Like Santa Cruz, there's no current. It's this wall of water that comes in. You could just blindly whip around, put your head down on your longboard and start flailing your arms. You're going to catch a wave, right? You can't do that in Hawaii, right? right? So it, it got a little just, you know, they won by just attrition, you know, yeah. in the end. Like there's, it's just too easy, yeah. you know? So you got to go, okay, well, maybe I don't surf Pleasure Point when it's two foot. I'm going to go surf the beach breaks where I got to drive and I got to hike through this little woods. And, oh, there's my little rip bowl or up north where people are scared of sharks or, you know, there's... There's a lot of surf. You mm-hmm. can find it. Yeah. Um, back to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Who are our athletes going to be from the U.S.? We will know that at the end of the this year. They'll be announced. It's the top two women, top two men on the WCT, as long as they are in the top ten on the rankings. And if they're not? There's all sorts of, like, you know, appendix A, B, D, F, and it's all pretty confusing, but um, it'll go, um, I I don't know all the ins and outs of it, to be honest, but that shouldn't be a problem, of course, you know, there should be two people in the top 10, and if there's not, we'll still get two people in, in in some, in some form or fashion, you know, they may have to um, jump through some hoops with the, uh, the different events around the world, the ISAs and stuff, so, yeah, it's, it's, we've been all trying to figure, we had a, uh, kind of a conference call a couple weeks ago about it. It's um, a lot of this stuff's been last minute, and you've got to think of all the different scenarios. And you know, I, I stumble a little bit because I don't want to speak exact. I'm still like wary of speaking about it and it being wrong. You know, totally. But so that's kind of. I just want to make. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't want to like just act like them super expert. There's a lot of uh, little what ifs and yeah. things. You know, to get the to get the 40 people who would your ideal athletes be on the u.s team well ideally before john hurt himself it was john Kaloe, which would be sort of ideal um for the sport and for the conditions you know um it would be it would be pretty historic if kelly was in there um, so there's historic there's who's going to be good in japan beach break there's what's good for the sport there's a lot of little variables in there um, i think john and Kaloe would be would be the best but you know there's kind of some not sure the extent of what's going on with john but you know it, it was an acl that he hurt that he didn't get surgery for and um and then so we'll see if that's what it is again and it he needs to get surgery now or if it's a twinge or so that's that's all news that's going to come out in the next few days i suppose you know what about for the women's side well the women it's i mean if you combine hawaii and the mainland it's it's crazy the 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 race is is on um again there's what's good for tv what's good for the sport yeah what's good for japan beach break you know and that and you know that's that would probably be you know um you know maybe like a lakey or 
Um, I mean, who knows? I mean, Coco might be the best woman. Maybe she's not going to make the top two, but you know, like if it's if it's one foot, if you look at um, like the WQS, like Coco and Malia just destroy the WQS whenever they show up in those little waves because they're lighter and and on their little mayhem's flying around. And but um, you know, um, you know, my choice would obviously be you know Carissa's in there as a multiple time multiple world champ you know and Lakey's been right in there fighting and Courtney's been right in there too so um yeah probably those three we'll see what happens it's also hard to pick the team that far in advance yeah you know yeah I mean things change on a year-to-year basis and the best surfer in 2020 is going to be different than in 2019 so yeah, I mean, and there's injuries, and, yeah, there's, exactly. and there's bad boards, and there's, you know, funks and confidence issues, and, um, you know, people have, you know, break up with their boyfriend, or they, you know, their mom and dad, somebody passed away, or there's so much stuff that can go on to where yeah. your athlete really isn't in the zone when they show up, but um, let's just hope that everything comes together, you know, if we win, we win double gold and double silver, and, you know, that's... That's what we're looking for. Are athletes paid to compete? I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we should cover on the Olympics before we move on to Jordy and boards, board shaping and everything <laughs> else that you're involved um, in? Yeah, I think um, I've been looking at, and there's some interest um, from one of the senators in Hawaii to, to build a high-performance center in Hawaii. Really? Um and it's just very fledgling ideas at this point, but he, he potentially wanted to chase some money. And, you know, pe- when you say Olympics, people kind of go, oh, their ears perk up. And there was yeah. a committee recently kind of established about surfing in Hawaii through the, through the state government that's kind of looking at surfing like, you know, okay, we gotta, we got to use this as, as a resource to get more tourism and stuff. That's not Waikiki and, you know, selling handbags. And, you know, Mai Tai is like <laughs> a little different way to look at, look at tourism over here. So, um, and then sort of the dream is to have this, you know, high-performance center, but also serving underserved youths and scholarship programs and tutoring and, um, you know, trying to create kind of this all, all-encompassing sort of um, center, um, hopefully on the North Shore. There's some land out there that they were considering for potentially a YMCA and, you know, but it'd be it's just an idea at this point trying to um, kind of um, start get the word out there and, you know, there's there's anybody, any kind of donations and push going that direction. Hopefully, in the next three or four years, we can start start breaking ground on something. That'd be amazing. I mean, yeah. and obviously, there's cues to follow in Australia where mm-hmm. they've built things like that. We don't yep. really have anything like that on the mainland. No. So it'd be wise for Hawaii to kind of considering the surf legacy in Hawaii just yep. to stake the claim and yep. legitimize it in a certain way. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and you know? you know we've got multiple world champions, like current ones, totally. from Hawaii. There's more underserved there. The, the tour spends the most amount of time, yeah, in Hawaii than anywhere. It's a so it really makes sense. And, and there's you know there's such an opportunity. So much surf. There's like surf, you know, nine months a year on the North Shore. South Shore starts to pump. There's windswell spots. Like you can. You know, it's warm, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and people want to go there. <laughs> it's an um, absolute no And thing. also, if you, you know, surfing's the state sport of California now. Right. So, you know, it, it would, that's a pretty good sell considering it, it, it 20, uh, 2028 is uh, LA Olympics. And so if you start pushing it, we need a high performance center here. I mean, there's big bucks in California that can do something real similar. So, so trying to create these, um, these centers, you know, that really push performance and people can have these because there are free resources through um, USA Surfing and the USOC for these athletes. And so there's funding for this stuff. And the more you kind of, some people can't see it until the the stakes are in, you know what I mean? The stakes are in the ground and it's being built. And they're like, oh, wow, I want to be a part of that. So, you know, if you get, get a facility going, there could be a lot of non-endemic kind of stuff. You've got the Olympic rings involved and people kind of want to be involved in things that, you know, are high performance and, and, a, and also charity driven and giving back a nonprofit and that kind of thing. So that's sort of the, the goal is to see, um, see these happen in Hawaii and, and here in California. And then if it grows then you could do it on the East coast and, you know, start, you know, having a more of a standard for training for surfing. Cause it's all kind of like this training, that training who really knows and having the best doctors available for the athletes and, I mean, having training period is relatively new sure. to surfing. Yeah, you know? right. I mean, yeah. how much do you think surfing has been, progress has been inhibited by not having proper diet, proper exercise, regimented yep. yeah. you know, discipline? And there's a there's a big side of surfing where you have to spend so much time in the water. How do you just beat yourself up in the gym? Yeah. And how does that look? And what is the real way to just, to where you're feeling good when you hit the water? Like what's the right Every, balance? Yeah, of, what's that right yeah. balance? And that's that's the stuff that hasn't really been figured out. And, and if you look at some of the sports, it's like they have all their different theories and the trainers have all these different theories. If you look at, you know, Golden State, they're, all their guys just blew out. It's like, was that 
a coincidence or was that the training that they're doing or not doing the recovery or the word that they're getting and so you know even though basketball's training been around forever you know yeah it's always this moving target of trying to find like <clears throat> what is this standard that really helps the athletes that keeps them injury free that makes them more explosive and you know surfing is very different so i think if you maybe not as hard but if you trained similarly to you know gymnasts and things and that explosiveness yeah. um, that that type of thing flexibility and movement combined with coordination and explosiveness it's kind of got a little bit of everything yeah interesting um what's your relationship like with jordy this year it's still great i mean it's 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 a it's a bummer like i i wanted i would love to be going to battle with him still you know um there's you know life had other plans as far as me being able to travel as much as it takes to to be there for him um and uh you know, we still text back and forth. I don't want to be too involved in kind of making calls from the road. But, you know, when you travel with somebody for a few years, living together, um, you become really close. And I, I think we really care a lot, you know, a lot about each other. And we have, we're, we're really good friends. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe I, I'll be able to help them out down the road. So you're not coaching? No. Okay. No. I'm, I've considered, I was considering maybe going to Brazil, but it's just like it gets tough with the Olympic thing and having three kids and um, trying to trying to do two different and I also shape so <laughs> having a board business coaching Jordy and trying to be head coach of the Olympic team it sounds like too much it's it, a lot it probably is yeah yeah um, last time we chatted was in 2017 uh-huh. when he was sitting in title contention going into Chopu yep. where he ended up getting third yep um, and then a second at lowers then finished the last three events of the year in 13th yeah um he finished fourth that year overall, fifth that last year, mm-hmm. and right now he's quietly sitting in the fourth spot. But really, had a stronger fin- or start to the year this year than he did those years. Yes. What's your assessment of Jordy right now? He seems to be in a really good headspace. Um, he's been he's been training. He's eating great. Doesn't drink. Like he's doing all the right things. He doesn't know extracurricular stuff. He's very focused. Um, and he's he's just doing the the boring athlete things you need to do every day to to be as good as he can be i mean you saw him do the splits and he was fine Mm -hmm. you know and potentially the Jordy that hasn't been doing gymnastica for the last year tears a hamstring off the bone you know what i mean so um he's he's doing what he's supposed to do to be an athlete and i think he's um as a man he's growing as well as as we all do as we get older and he's he's um you know he's doing the stuff that you know, all these ticking all the boxes that that can be pretty tedious and pretty monotonous and pretty lonely and pretty boring he's, he's doing all those things um and surfing great where do you think his biggest room for improvement is currently um luck <laughs> really <laughs> i don't know i mean just I, I think you know things just haven't for the last couple of years, things, if you, if you look, if you look at what's happened with him, things haven't gone his way. And he still was fifth last year, you know, and whether it was questionable judging calls or really close heats or seeding stuff, you get Slater at Chopu or you get like, you get these like things that just kind of go against you. You know, he hasn't. And if you look at the years that people have, like the right things happen at the right time and you do create your own luck. Um, but he could, 
Um, he's, he's back to, um, you know, he's having a lot more opportunities to do airs this year, which is great. Um, and he made such strides in the last couple of years at places like Pipeline and Chopes, and, and that was a lot of confidence, a few things technically in his backhand barrel riding that he worked on and then putting in the work at Pipeline. Um, and when you get confident, you choose better waves. Um, and uh, I'd like to ask you, what do you think? From just a, because I'm so, I'm so in it, you know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd like to know what you think. I think, I agree with your thought about he's gotten a couple of bad calls or mm-hmm. bad judging decisions, just poor, uh, maybe like the heat ended up on, you know, at a time of day where he didn't get waves or whatever. Over yeah. the years, I have noticed that. Mm-hmm. This year, I feel like he's actually been the benefactor or the beneficiary of the opposite like he mm-hmm. gets good calls this year mm. he's got two buys already this year because of injuries for other mm. people you know yep. little things like that where it's kind of like oh things are now going his way where yep. they weren't in the past i think i always look at like you know the there's been there's been some controversial calls judging wise i think and that's been maybe i just look at those kind of you know because you always look at the bad things right you don't yeah. look at the ways and we always try to say that like look you always you know you you try to say it's all gonna it's all gonna like work itself out in 12 months you're gonna get pushed you're gonna get a little score here that you you know that you're gonna get pushed a little here but then you know when it starts to kind of go the other way and it's consistently like wow do they not like him like how how does he not get the nod against that guy how does he not get the nod against this you know and it's it's hard i'm not saying these judges like they got it easy you know and i'm so in it that it's it's hard to be but when everyone's just going wow and the commentators are going wow and i didn't see it that way and it's just kind of like all right we're not crazy you know and after a certain time jordy gets a little defeated and yeah you know just like whoa okay when's this when am i going to get the nod here against this bottom 30 guy like it's almost as if they they're making the top guys earn it as opposed to making the bottom guys earn it now does that make sense it does you know i i guess you can make that argument for a lot of different people yes you know i think i watched some of the airs like one of the ones that felipe did in this event at the rio event yeah where it's like dude if connor coffin would have done that air they would have given them a 10 you know because it's felipe they don't but so I think you can make that argument for a lot of guys. But with Jordy, I guess we'd have to talk about specifics. And mm-hmm. that heat at Karamas with Jesse Mendez, which was the controversial heat. Right. A lot of the inter- Jesse ended up winning the heat. Yes. A lot of the internet argued that Jordy should have won the heat. I went back and I watched it and I go, you know, it's questionable. Mm-hmm. But Jordy didn't do all that he could have done on his two scores. He bogged on his two scores, you mm-hmm. know. Yep. And so, Jordy, you're still leaving it in the judges' hands. Even if the judges got it slightly wrong, Jordy could have tightened up his game sure. and slammed the door. Yeah, you know. So I think there's opportunities for improvement with Jordy. Yep. In a lot of those examples. Okay. But yep. And like I said, I'm so in it. You know what I mean? That I'm in it. Some people just can't stand certain people, and they could never see them getting a score. Right. You know. Totally. <laughs> it's just sitting there, like, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know that's what I so mean? True. There's people like. Oh, Adriano, Adriano, that's been the thing forever. I go, I'm just like, Adriano rips. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, yeah. you know, and so it's, 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 it's so biased. And I, and I understand that about myself and I, I understand that. I mean, I just, it, but I, like I said, I do understand, like, there's going to be calls that go against you, but when it's like, okay, that one, okay, that one, okay. Like, you know, the world title, when you, you lost to Gabriel at pipe and you know what I mean? And yeah. And he didn't get the nod here, and he didn't get the nod there, and it's just like, it, it, 
it seemed to kind of pile up a little bit in yeah. the other way yeah. to me, as opposed to you know getting 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 his fair fair share of those. And it it's not like a conspiracy or anything. It's just like luck. You're going to go to the jack, you know, the, the blackjack table, and yeah. you're going to get you know on a roll, or you're going to get shut down with cards. It just you know sometimes it, and you see that happen with different people, and it's it's really how you how you react to that and just keep, keep exactly. coming back, keep fighting. Things are going to go your way. And, you know, nobody wants John to be hurt. You know, star of our sport, coolest guy ever, like going for a world title. Amazing to see him back. But yeah, that was a bit of luck to not have to surf against John John in the quarterfinals, you mm -hmm. know, and in the end you go to the finals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a tough sport in all ways. And so, you know, I don't, yeah, it's it's uh, it's tricky to really to um, tricky to judge, and I, I don't I don't envy their their position. Um, I'd be I'd be I would say that you know it there needs to be at least some sort of focus on trying to improve it, which I don't really see. Yeah, you know, as far as from outside or at least the WSL coming, okay. Let's look at this heat. Let's look at how we can avoid these different situations and how can we give them tools. And we've already had this conversation, but... But it's know. worth digging into because the number one thing that they really need to figure out is you just said, of course I have a bias for Jordy. And some people look at Adriano and they can't imagine him getting a good score. We all do. The judges yep. have bias. Sure. The judges absolutely have a favorite surfer that mm -hmm. they want to watch. Mm -hmm. And so how can they not be affected by that once they're writing down scores? Mm -hmm. you know, like it's yeah. insane it's it's um yeah that's that's <laughs> that's surfing you know and it's like i work with kids or so and so and it's just like oh that was a close i was just down at down at you know the u.s champs and some kid he's just like oh that kid got the score and how do you get the score and i'm just like it's what you signed up for dude yeah you know what i mean you you want to you want you want cut and dry like go be a runner you know yeah. <laughs> totally um <laughs> How much is the notion of too much too soon a real threat and something that brands need to mitigate against when, they, when they're chasing talent, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, the idea of Brazil, a young surfer coming out of uh, an impoverished area like Brazil and having to work for everything mm -hmm. and kind of developing that grit. Yeah. I feel like talent will get you onto the tour, but the difference between a world title and fledgling in fifth or lower Yep. is something unique it, it comes from deeper you know and, yep. and it might just be that grit yeah so you look at all these examples of million dollar athletes who don't win world titles and maybe that's what it was maybe when they were got the big contract at 15 mm -hmm. it and a team of people making every decision for them and finding the rental car for them and finding the hotel for them and all that stuff mm -hmm. that it really um diminishes that desire you need to win the world title and I ask you this because Jordy was one of those guys, and he's a guy who doesn't have a world title yet. Yeah. And you've worked with enough kids, and now you're working with youth again. Yeah. Um, what's your thought on that? Can you get too much too soon and still develop the world title level of grit? I guess it just depends on the person. Does it? You know? I, I mean, I mean, Medina got... He was nobody. And he won that King of the Groms, and then he was, you know, kind of hailed and was was grabbed pretty young and he still is it's it's i think it's just rare any kind of world champion is going to be a rare person i think they're not made i think they're they're born you know um 
and there's again there's there's circumstances there's circumstances in there and I think I mean you would see it in any sport you see it in basketball you see it in these different sports that the money does sort of you know maybe take a little bit of that fire off of some people you know and it would in the end um, um, so yeah it's like it's hard to it's hard to really say what it is that, that, that gets people those world titles um, it's definitely something special if you look at the list the list of people you know but the one thing they do have is like burning I'm gonna kill you desire and um, whether they outwardly show it or not they're doing everything they possibly can to win that contest and I mean Medina is just a beast if yeah. you look, as, as, as far as that goes he has you know desire to spare he could probably loan some out and still win world titles you know it's interesting i feel like that has um softened in the last couple of events like mm-hmm. he looked fallible at this event sure he looked human yep you know and he mm-hmm. has the last couple of events and i wonder how much of that coincides with exactly what we're talking about mm-hmm. the guy has 7.7 million instagram followers yeah kelly has two two million you know two point something million right yeah. so he's just i mean exponentially got more kind of fame and whatever in brazil than in certain parts and that of the world. takes up more time right he seems he's to do, be enjoying he's shooting, it shooting ads hanging yeah. with soccer stars he's yeah. he's this or that he's you know there's you can get blinded i i believe at a certain point or you kind of the money's one thing right but then when you become famous famous like Outside the entire the country yeah. is like you're right there next to like the big boys in your country of a country of however many hundred million of Brazil and then worldwide he has whatever else and there's so much passion and so much behind it I mean you got to be pretty rock solid and not be affected by that in some way and it takes you time and I mean that intensity is hard to keep up over and over I mean how many people go back to back world titles not that many people that that year is like whoo then it's like okay, am I really going to battle for position again and be the bad guy again and get all this these posts about me that are just like I'm this horrible person and robot and like, or do I soften a little and try to win it this way or everybody wants to be liked and so who yeah. knows, I know. Um, Which is why I like Jordy's approach this year is like yeah. even just traveling to that event, the Rio event by himself. Yep. Run, you know, it's like no pressure, just enjoy it, yep. take it in stride be fourth in the mm-hmm. world so not all the pressure is on me or the target's not mm-hmm. on my back mm-hmm. i think it's smart yeah yeah it's um he's he seems like he's in a good good place you know for sure you can see it in his interviews you see it just in his you know facial expressions i mean you get to know him pretty well you know yeah. I mean? you know, traveling with him and you can see that he's he's mentally like you know confident you know are you building his entire quiver this year I, I have been, yeah. Um, he's been getting some boards from um, from Darren Hanley. He had a couple he liked, and trying some other ones. Um, but we found this new model that seems to have kind of filled that gap that we've had for a while, um, and it, it kind of allows him to kind of be Jordy, but also the airs. And that's a tricky one. Find a board that surfs the pocket and goes fast and and does airs and releases and holds in. <laughs> yeah. like you're asking a lot of a surfboard of a 200 pound guy that surfs like he's you know he's like a big <laughs> a big felipe or whatever you know yeah. there's kind of there's a lot lot to going on there so 
you just kept throwing we just kept throwing stuff out there and this is an old old file i pulled up from cj hobgood old file of his from 2008 and i kind of converted over and just threw it out there with a bunch of different other boards and it was kind of the one that was like well there's kind of something there hmm. so we started cutting and pasting outlines on it and messing around and it seems to be seems to be working let's get nerdy with the design details can you tell me about the model <laughs> um it's called the hovercraft and it's based on kind of you know back in the 2008 2009 you need a little bit before that kind of when all the when chili was hot and um, js was hot and it's kind of based on the concept that they were kind of running back then i think i think some of the american shapers were a little behind at that point um and it's kind of a little bit more of a curve between the feet kind of thing where a lot of the boards now are a bit and with a real kind of you know consistent not too much entry not too not too much tail it's sort of like you know a lot of the boards now are flat entry flip tail or like flat tail entry you know this is more of a consistent curve the whole board lighter concaves in general but a little bit more curve between the feet with like a flatter release so you can kind of get kind of rock between that curve between your feet and when you lean back it's got drive and that helps give it pop too out of the off the tail where flip tails are a little harder to um to do airs on they kind okay. of they kind of as you can imagine you know a little kick tail back there it doesn't have that that pop out of the lip um it's an older curve and i of course updated it into shape 3d and um you know you can make little changes along the way but still Jordy's outline from the boards that we were using before because you can do a lot of cut and pasting and messing around and there's a lot a lot of the software is pretty pretty versatile so we just pasted an old squash tail outline on there that he liked and um yeah got lucky and you apply all those same design elements um regardless of size or length we haven't had a lot of time to mess around we were messing around in hawaii before he went to the gold coast and made a thumbtail version of this board and was like well there's something there but it's a little thin the nose is a little narrow and tried a different outline and we've made some six three round pins that is the same outline as this the round pins he's been riding the wingman two was the model he rode last year a lot um and so we haven't kind of looked at you know stretching them out into step ups or any kind of six sixes we've, we've tried a little bit you know okay. with different outlines and things and haven't t- takes a long time to really test boards to get a really good idea what's going on especially right when you're right in the middle of a title title hunt you kind of jump on it and if it isn't just like glaringly magic you sort of move on to the ones that are working yeah yeah i remember him being vocal last year um about his feeling that like surf ranch creates a distinct disadvantage Mm-hmm. for him just because of his size yeah how do you strategize to minimize that disadvantage both in terms of your role as a coach in the past but mm-hmm. also as a board builder he rode the hovercrafts in the pool and he said they worked good both okay. backside and front side so and that's you know jordy's one of those understated people right if he goes yeah stoked the board works pretty good that's like you nailed it you know what I mean? He's never going to say magic. Oh my God, this board gives me chills up my spine when I, you know, like right. he's, he's very understated. So if he says it works good in the pool stoked, that means like he can do what he needs to do. Um, I think they went a little too barrel heavy in that event. And if you didn't just perfectly ride the foam ball and get deep and come out, like you weren't going to get a score. And it's just like, well, you know, that is a bit bias in that Keanu Singh's going to be, a, you know, have a lot <laughs> easier yeah. time of it than Jordy is going to. Right. Um, I think this year they'll they understood the pitfalls of 
these long rounds and judging from the beginning to the end and trying to, you know, Jordy, he did get, well, from his opinion, I wasn't there, you know, but he said he got some pretty small lefts. You know, you can get bigger ones, you can get smaller ones. However, the water's sloshing around, however it works, if it's going one way or the other, if it's moving with you, the slosh instead of against you and you know there's there's ways for this thing to jack up and have more power and and those kind of things but i mean he did he did fairly well it's just again you know little judging here a little bit bigger wave there you know they kind of realize i think you know they'll they'll judge it they'll have a better idea of how to judge that wave and judge it more fairly um going and in, going into this year hopefully then of course you just got to the seating, the judging, the, the waves, everything's kind of, yeah. there's little, little things can go your way, little things can go against you. And that, that's the difference, you know, between winning or placing high and yeah. losing early. You know? Yeah. You get Felipe early. It's like, lights good out. Good night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Hope he falls. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of what I was thinking about in preparation for this conversation is really about like, I think we're at a nexus for the surf business, quote unquote, uh -huh. where, we're really going to see a boom in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. I just think we are, period. Whether or not it's a bubble is what remains to be seen, you know? Um, but I feel like guys like yourself are really well positioned to benefit from that boom, just depending on kind of how you structure your businesses. Mm -hmm. um, through your reputation and your legacy, you could be a super coach if you want to. And certainly now with your role <laughs> as the Olympics. <laughs> I've always a wanted a cape. <laughs> I like it. One of our <laughs> listeners will design something, I'm sure, and send it. Um, or you could be an elite level board builder if you wanted to, you know? And Or you could do commentary, I'm sure, if, if you wanted to. <laughs> so let's start with boards specifically. Do you want to increase your board building business? Um, I always thought, like, why can't you be, like, one of the world's best board builders and not have this giant business? You know, can't you do licensees and kind of monitor that and, um, you know, be able to shape, you know, the boards that you do shape, you're, you're the shaper of, of all of them and you're, you're a designer more than you are. And there's way more of that now, if you think about it, yeah, but, of course. but even then, you know, they have these, you know, I would imagine Tomo doesn't have to really focus too much on his business considering what's going on with the Slater thing. He can focus a lot on design and R and D and, and that's what's going to really push push uh, a shaper to be interested in what they're doing. Um, so I don't have a big desire to have employees and trucks and factories and have that and have that part of my life. Um, I just I think my personality is I just I get a little bored. Um, and so to bounce back and forth from coaching to to shaping and, and, and trying to keep it interesting. Um, so I think I'll just kind of fumble along and be broke and interested <laughs> keep things small and and quality oriented and personal yeah, relationship -oriented. i'm not saying i mean there's not that many 70 year old coaches but there's 70 year old shapers all over the place so it, it might kind of lean that way as time goes on um but for now i'm not looking to really increase production or get employees or get ghost shapers or get a factory or have to do have to do all of that there's there's kind of a lot going on yeah. with that type of business and I don't think I would be very good at it if I was still coaching as well it would be I wouldn't be 100% and it would probably suffer you know yeah I mean I'm suggesting that um, 
you got to put those things in. I mean, if you want to really capitalize on what's going to happen in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. now's the time to build that foundation and put those things in place. Sure. But to your point about there aren't a lot of 70-year-old coaches, it's because we didn't really have coaches. That wasn't a viable career path prior. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, suppose. we see 70 and 80-year-old boxing coaches, and it's that's true. a lot more athletic of a role than yeah. a surf coach. I'm just wondering if you just sort of get out of touch at some point, you know what I mean, as, as the sport just gets so advanced. You know, I suppose if you're always studying and always looking and always looking at film and trying to update yourself with technique and maneuvers and things like that, that you could, and you know, you could, you could stay with it. So remains to be seen, yeah. you know, for sure. Hopefully I'm, you know, I mean... To be, to have a wood shop and be wood carving and making wall hanger boards and you know hanging with the grandkids sounds a lot more attractive to me than being on the road coaching at seventy anyway. But right, you know, so I'll, I'll probably be that guy, crusty old craftsman. Dude, by the time you're seventy, you could coach via avatar. Like you, <laughs> right. you won't yeah. need to be on the road. Virtual. <laughs> you just beam your hologram over. Yeah, that's interesting. What's going to happen in the next twenty years with all that stuff? You watch Black Mirror. I do, yeah. It's pretty wild. Like, you're just like, whoa, the new season. I only saw the first one. I was like, holy mackerel, this is like, because it's all like commentary on like, at least it's like the Twilight Zone with technology, right? Oh, completely, yeah. Whoa, like, where could this go? You know, and if it sounds possible, it's probably going to happen. Whereas when I was a kid, none of this sounded possible. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was, you know. know. Every episode makes you want to like, destroy your phone <laughs> delete your google account exactly. delete facebook like exactly. all of it exactly it's wild yeah <laughs> um do you have any individual clients that you're coaching now i mean you obviously not working with jordy this year but do you mm-hmm. have any buddy that you're working with specifically outside of that i've worked with baron mamia for the last few years a lot of technique stuff and um still work with jake marshall been working with him for a long time i do individual like technique sessions with different juniors and amateurs and different stuff on skype um haven't been trying to drum up too much of that business um but um you know with technology all that stuff gets a lot easier i tried it years ago and people would send me these files that were too big and it wasn't compatible and now your mac just converts it all to QuickTime, and you know like Mm -hmm. you know it's way easier to do all that stuff now so i do a bit of that and that's fun the technique stuff's really fun because it's very tangible for the for the client um and uh who else um i work closely with sean ward and he's got eli hanneman and we've worked a little bit and want to work with him more and so um and then getting more into um, into the USA surfing and the Olympic thing and, and being able to help those kids out. I'm kind of looking forward to to kind of maybe uh, helping them you know, reach their potential. It's a good client list. I mean, Baron, Baron Mamiya, Eli Hanneman, those guys are insane. I mean, they yeah. are. I haven't worked much with Eli, but there's I have, and there's this kind of haven't been able to hook up. But, you know, being in Hawaii and he's, they're managed by the same person who's really pushing towards it we were supposed to do a camp and it never worked out and so i it's just like you want to make boards for the best of the best right and that's super fun as a shaper you know you want to coach the very best so um and that's and you know luckily baron lives right down the street from me and you know he's managed by a good friend of mine who understands the value i can bring to his athletes and so um yeah it's, it's exciting you know i think baron has unlimited potential Truly. super raw kind of Andy Iron style kind of thing where it's like whoa where could this kid take it physically he's it's up to like 180 pounds now and you know what he does in the barrels and the airs and 
big forehand wraps and backhand whips and it's kind of got it all it's just he's just sort of a freaking bull in a china shop we just kind of need to get him to weave through the china a little bit a little bit better and yeah he's uh you know um that crosby cola pinto kid i'm not working with him but he's i think he's won four u.s titles in a row it lowers and he's coming on really strong he's got a very mature approach those u.s champs were wild did you watch any of it yeah yeah there is there's a lot of really good young surfers that are coming up under the under the usa surfing kind of umbrella so i'm excited to hopefully get a hold of these kids and cool you know see what i can do is crosby um griffin's brother or is it yes. cousin brother? brother okay um, what surf media are you following nowadays? Jeez, not much, really. really? I'm just super disinterested. <laughs> you know, I mean, you hear if you just kind of swipe through Instagram, the things that actually interest you will pop up, and you can read them. You know what I mean? But do I go on my Mac and hit websites and kind of fish around anymore? Probably not. No. You know, um, you said you're disinterested. Is it because they're not providing interesting content for you at this point? The website I mean, who that is? you used to—that's <laughs> my question to you. <laughs> I don't. Um, it's it's all a little. Um, yeah, it's just not that interesting to me. I'm 50 years old. I've kind of. You know, there's there's things that do interest me. If there's an interview or something with somebody who I'm interested in, who's a high level athlete or industry person, or you know, a podcast or something like that, I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a listen. Um, I've been on, I think I've been more on a self improvement kind of kick the last couple of years, and I haven't been absorbing you know media as much as I have been just sort of trying to learn and grow. So um, maybe that'll change as time goes on. Um, you said that you kind of just get everything you need out of Instagram. Which Instagram accounts are feeding you that information? Like which? It's nothing really specific. It's just more like you know, it could be something that twenty different people posted, right? Right, and then there's a link to this, a link to that, and you can kind of fish your way through it. And I wouldn't say there's anything in particular, you know, any kind of news, you know. Yeah. But I mean, the only things that are really out there are stab and you know surfer and these different things and some of them are i don't really want to like watch somebody go surf in iceland or hear the story or you know what i mean it's just not not that interesting to me i mean yeah. a couple pictures are nice but you know it's fun for the people who go <laughs> i suppose i mean dude, <laughs> maybe to try to live vicariously through them is what people are trying to do but i mean i you know. obviously feel the same way that you do just yeah. based on kind of the content that i create and yep. the way that it's crafted i yeah. i feel like the idea of writing a publishing a magazine and writing a story about people going on a surf trip yep is so tired <laughs> like we've read that story four times per issue for mm -hmm. 40 years yeah like it's yep. just done nobody yeah. cares anymore yeah. you know and it, there, there can be some award-winning photo that comes out yes, of it of just course. that one photo yeah. you're like whoa how's that picture yeah. but the story itself you know, the car broke down, it was cold, and we ate seal so meat. It's just like, I don't really care. So don't care. Even yeah, that's when I your get, adventure. It's not my adventure. I don't really... And even when I get back from a surf trip, I'm not really that interested in telling that story to my loved ones. <laughs> they ask <laughs> how the trip was, and I'm like, oh, this, this, and that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. But, so... 
the um, human interest thing, though, like you said, if there's a yep. long-form interview with mm-hmm. somebody of interest, mm-hmm. it is the human interest thing that yes. is what is yep. interesting to me, anyways. Yeah, intelligent people, high-level people, you know, industry people, that kind of stuff. I, I like that. And that probably just comes with age, too. You know, you're sort of... Even young people, I think, are going yeah. that way. Yeah, it's interesting with the whole podcast thing and the YouTube thing and, you know, things are... You know, so much more in depth. You know, subjects can get really covered as mm-hmm. opposed to these little sound bites and these things that can get you in trouble. And you know what I mean? Like, totally. there's so much of what I've said today that could be taken out of context. You know what I mean? If it were just chopped up in different ways and you were some dick who was trying to like sensationalize something. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think it's really taken a lot of that out, and people are kind of understanding that that sensationalism is is kind of dead I mean unless Good. for just the stupid masses that just love it and just like TMZ and freaking you know the story about whatever and yeah. the princess is cheating or pregnant or whatever like right. couldn't care less about any of that right you know hopefully that's that kind of mind junk food is gonna be as people eat less and less McDonald's maybe they'll eat less and less of that stuff too yeah maybe yep um, what's your current relationship like with surfing not that great i've got this hip thing i'm trying to been dealing with for a while and um got some good waves in hawaii in june which is pretty rare and this direction was really good and it was glassy and so we had some pretty fun sessions but i got this thing where i can't really surf 100 percent. i can still go out and have fun but i'm gonna get it fixed at some point this summer so i can you know be at least as good as a 50 year old try you know, try to be as good as i can be so when you were surfing in june um Riding shortboards, high-performance shortboards? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. 510. Yep. Good for you. Thruster. Dang. Geordie model. The hovercraft? Yep. 2.0? Is it just going by the hovercraft still? or? It's the hovercraft. Okay. I mean, it was didn't really plan on it being the model. You know what I mean? It was just we threw a bunch of stuff out there, so it was the hovercraft, and so I guess it's got to be the hovercraft. <laughs> Dude, brand it hard. We're trying to sell boards here. <laughs> <laughs> Try to find me. I don't have a website. I don't have anything. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, so how do people find you officially through Instagram? DM you? Yeah, it's CGD Surf. Okay. CGD Surf. Yeah, if they want to. Um, but um, yeah, it's not as if I'm disinterested in making more surfboards. I just know that if I were to really push and push and push and push, I might get a bit overwhelmed and then have to take a trip. And then you come home and you got 200 boards. And it's a good problem to have, but yeah. um, it gets a little bit much for yeah. as a one man show you know shaving at my house and there's a lot of minutia that goes into getting a surfboard into somebody's hands like a lot a lot goes on and collecting the money and so all that business stuff isn't too much fun but right you know making somebody a board where that makes them happy and they want to go surfing it's you know it's it's cool you know to be able to be artistic engineer kind of two brains working at the same time asking all the questions you need to ask to the to the client and trying to get them that surfboard so it's a fun challenge and a bit of a you know i guess uh you know surfboards are tough so it's you can you can be you know do this have your ten thousand boards under your belt and still shape a really bad surfboard so it's 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 a t- and i guess that's what keeps you coming back completely though know, is that it's not just you know if you're making putters or whatever you know like you're the world's best putter maker like chances are they're all pretty much the same totally and you know only tiger woods you know on mushrooms can be able to tell the difference you know (laughs) (laughs) totally well chris stone 
thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah. But he was born of this world He was born of all the mothers and the colors of our brothers And the love that was taught to you by the one they called Jesus Christ He may not know no rock and roll And there may not be a heaven or a place of which to send you But you know in the end it's madness in a song Thanks so much, Chris. Everything that we discussed in this episode is, of course, available on surfsplendorpodcast.com, as always. If you like this show, I encourage you to share it with a friend. That is how we grow this audience. I will continue to pump out the content as long as the audience continues to grow. And I've been saying that for five years, and uh, I appreciate you doing it for five years, and we have seen organic growth. Obviously, we don't advertise anywhere. We've kind of ridden the wave of... Um, social media's growth at the same time. So you helping share it organically and virally has been a really epic combination for us to keep expenses low and then also just kind of connect with the right audience. You know, people who sincerely want to hear these conversations and care. So thanks for doing that. Share it with a friend. You can do it on social media at Surf Splendor. It's an easy way to just tag somebody or send them a post. And then on surfsplendorpodcast.com, we also have a donation uh, platform set up via PayPal. So if you want to support the show financially, which helps me basically get around to, um, to these people, to our guests, and then, of course, secure equipment as needed, that is available, surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate. We encourage people just to set up a $5 monthly donation. Super simple, and uh, you won't even notice the expense. Thanks to Galley for supporting our Olympic team and um, helping us figure out what the Olympics will even look like. This is Independence Week here in the U.S., July 4th. So thank you for that. Lots to look forward to in the future for surfing. So this is David Scales for Surf Splendor. I'll be back next week with an all-new episode. But until then, I'm reminding you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and shred. You're so high for